Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew Was an NQT slash ECT, with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as a new teacher. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Hannah Darville. Now, Hannah always enjoyed school, so much, in fact, that she's now a teacher. But not any old teacher. Hannah has been teaching for almost three months. So today's podcast will be a fascinating insight into what teaching is really like from the perspective of someone who's just started her career. Hannah, welcome. Thanks very much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me. So good to see you smiling so much. Because you're three months in and you read things on Twitter and you might think, oh, blimey, this job's so hard and I don't feel very good about it. But your face, man, it's alive. (laughs) Three months in, I'm still smiling. (laughs) Yeah, so that's great. That's great to see. So tell us a bit more about your early experiences with education and how you came to train to teach. So I grew up in a family full of teachers. So my mum is a teacher, my grandma was a teacher, and I think there's teachers even further back than that as well. Um, So I was always kind of surrounded by teaching. I spent my summer holidays putting up displays for my mum quite regularly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Um, mum knows how to get people to to help out. Uh, That's already one useful point you've given there. Exactly. I know how to back a board before I could even even in school. Um, And then I always wanted to be a teacher and everyone always thought I would be a teacher um, until sixth form where I started to doubt that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I think because I'd been in education for so long Mm. and I was just starting to be a bit fed up of the school environment. So I changed my mind. Um, went off to university doing a geography degree because I really didn't know what I wanted to do um, and whilst I was there and had got away from school for a little bit um, and also worked at a kids club during the summers um, for a little bit of extra money I realised how much I did want to work with children and how I did want to be a teacher and that's when I applied for my teacher training. So you're three months in now Hannah yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, why didn't I go into something geographical? <laughs> why didn't I do a different degree? Why didn't I? Or is teaching the thing that you are pleased you're in? I'm definitely pleased I'm doing it. There's been days where I've doubted it, days where things haven't quite gone how I thought they'd go, days that have been really, really hard. But there's also been moments where you realise why you're doing it because something goes really, really well or something clicks for a child. Um, and that's what's kept me going and made me realize this really is what I wanted to do and I really am enjoying it it's those moments that you have to remember because it can be easy to let those really bad days get you down and make you think I don't want to do this anymore I can't do this I'm really doing it overall oh that's so good to hear I had a few days early on where I felt like I'd done everything wrong I'd forgotten everything that I'd been taught in my training year (laughs) everything had just flown out of my head they weren't listening they weren't paying attention I wasn't getting through to them but then you have days where everything goes right and you remember that actually you do know what you're doing um, yeah you do but also that all teachers have bad days because I spoke to some other staff in the staff room about it and they was like we still have those days now and we're 20 30 years in so mm. it's remembering that it's not just you who's going through that everyone has days where the children aren't listening it's not going right they're not understanding and that that's yeah. okay and that you can fix that later you can because you're, you're dealing with human beings aren't you and they come in and they're in different moods from day to day. 
and and some days lots of them seem to be in a non-receptive mood and you're working your socks off trying to get it to happen mm. and it's still not happening as you would hope it did but that's okay it's lovely yeah. to hear you say that's okay I find I sometimes when I have those days I phone mum because she's been a teacher for so long now like yeah. 20 30 years and I could literally be crying down the phone to her because something's really not gone right and she'll just remind me that she's ha- she has those days even now where yeah. she's a deputy at a school and everything goes wrong but that's okay and that you can build on that and because I'm teaching year two they've not had a full year at school no. yet so no. there's going to be days where they're just not wanting to be there they don't know how to be and do things independently they, they're used to having someone sitting on their shoulder doing work with them because they've mm. had a lot of homeschool compared to the amount of school they've done so that's it's taking right. that into consideration as well that is going to have an impact on your day I know you're going to talk about Ofsted later and you've just had a brilliant Ofsted woohoo and and we're all so happy for you and your <laughs> school that that's happened. But um, th- there's a lot of disquiet at the moment about Ofsted saying, well, they have to understand where these children have come from in the last two years. And, and exactly. particularly, as you say, younger children who haven't got much experience of school. I hear that from infant teachers all the mm. time. We're almost like we're back at reception or, or we're exactly. year twos acting like year ones. Yeah. But that's a huge part of their life, isn't it, that they've had out of school, a huge part. You think part. they would have been three or four when the pandemic started. It's all they really that's know, right. and they they have missed a lot of school, and it can be easy to forget that. Um, and yeah. I am lucky that a lot of my class did engage with remote learning, so they're not there's not huge, huge gaps, but it more influences how they are in the classroom and how used they are to a, used they are to a classroom environment. Um and they've had less time there. So they're going to not be quite as independent as you would expect them to be by this point. Yeah, that's so true. I, I love your maturity, Hannah. <laughs> I'm going to have to praise your mum here, you know, because <laughs> she's clearly shared with you some fantastically important, <laughs> fantastically important lessons because it is quite difficult. New teachers who don't have experienced teachers who can just say, yeah, it is. It's difficult. Things have changed and, and things have changed yeah. dramatically in the last two years. I definitely found when I've spoken to other ECTs and um, I went on a course recently as part of my ECT framework um, course and um, none of them. They were in one form entry schools, so didn't have any other ECTs around them, didn't have any real friends who were teachers, don't have any teachers in their family. And I think they found it really difficult, found it more difficult than I did because they didn't have anyone to talk to about it and didn't think they thought it was just them who was going through that when actually all of us are having the same struggles and the same issues and working through them. So it was nice to be able to talk to them about it. That support network is so important. I just want to ask you about this new ECT framework. How are you feeling that's going at the moment? Because there's there's a fair bit of disquiet that there's too much in it compared to the previous NQT yeah. expectations. Um, I'd say I have mixed feelings on it. I think it's great that we have extra support um, and I have a great mentor who I have a, men- a weekly meeting with. Um, oh, and she's good. brilliant. Who yeah. um, And I've also got another ECT at my school as well. So the two of us have our meetings together, which is great. And I find that really does help when you've had a bad day to put it all back into perspective. Yeah, um, good. I would say that sometimes the weekly stuff you have to do online can be can feel overwhelming, mm. um, the videos and the reading can feel like a lot and I know that's not necessarily something that past NQTs have had as much of. No they haven't. But the stuff on there is helpful and I have learned stuff from it 
I think it needs adapting the framework. Mm. I don't think it's perfect. Some of the stuff that I'm having to watch and read, I feel like I already covered mm. in our training year. I don't know if that's just because my provider was so thorough or if it's um, just they want stuff to be recapped. But there's a lot in there that I think I already do know. But I think there is benefits to it and it is helpful and I have learned things from it. Um, I think it just needs tweaking. It always feels like an extra thing on your plate mm. and there's always so much on your plate as there is. I think sometimes it can just feel like the thing that you just don't want to have to do because there's so much else that's going on. Um, but there are bits of it that I've learned from. There's bits that I haven't so much. I remember watching a video near the beginning that told me to learn the children's names. No. <laughs> so, so, hey, that's I useful. The other issue is that it might, I don't know if it's just the one that I'm doing, um, is just is primary and secondary. Mm. So there's things that I'm having to learn that I'm like, yes, that would make sense in secondary that it is harder to learn their names. But yes. in a, when you've only got a class of 30, you would you think that's quite obvious. The one thing that has been really good is I have it's like local and regional sessions that you go to, which are like in-person right. sessions with other ECTs. So I've been to one local one and there's a regional one coming up soon. Um, and that was really helpful just to have the chance to talk to other ECTs from different schools and just hear what their experience is. And that's good to hear, like I say, that you're being helped because you're a beginner, aren't you? I've got a quote. I'm gonna. I was gonna say it at the end, but I could say it now. <laughs> it was uh, from Barbara Sher, who said you can learn new things at any time of your life if you're willing to be a beginner. Definitely. If you actually learn to like being a beginner, the whole world opens up to you. And it's remembering that that it's okay to be a beginner again. Well, um, it is, so and I'm yeah. often a beginner. Last yeah. year, I was teaching Chinese children STEM projects via Zoom. <laughs> Yeah, I was a complete exactly. beginner, absolute yeah. novice about how's this going to work? They don't speak much English. I speak <laughs> three words of Chinese. How's this going to work over Zoom? Yeah. I was a total beginner, but be comfortable with it and then we'll improve it. Every time we do it, it will be better than the last time. And it can be hard to remember it when you're tired and you've, you're near the end of a long yeah. term. And I think that's when you start to overthink it. And I'm definitely an overthinker. Um, so I can forget that sometimes I've definitely had conversations with my deputy about how it's okay not to know everything and yeah. you're never going to know everything and that they don't expect you to know everything. This sounds like one of your top five things to me. Yes, so tell does. us a bit about not knowing everything. So I guess I found parts of my first half term really hard and there were moments where I just felt like I was doing everything wrong. I didn't know what I was doing, especially because I spent most of my training year in year five. And now I've gone down into year two. Um, and whilst it's the same principles, there is differences. Um, and I just was finding it quite tough. And that first half term I did find really difficult. And there was moments where I just thought, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no, why can't I remember anything that I've been taught? Why am I not doing anything that I've been taught? Because there was times where I was trying to talk whilst they were still talking. There was moments where I didn't know how to get their attention. I didn't know how to get them to behave. My lessons weren't working. But I had a bit of a breakdown, as everyone does in points in their life. And I ended up talking to my deputy head about it. And she just said, Hannah, it's fine. You're doing brilliantly. You may have days where everything's going wrong or just moments where it feels like the world's on top of you and you don't know what you're doing. But it doesn't matter. The children are learning. The children like being in your class. They're enjoying being there. They're enjoying school. That's all that matters. You're teaching them. You're fine. You're doing great. And that's all that matters. And that conversation 
meant the world to me because it reminded me that I was doing okay and that it didn't matter that there was times where I was getting things wrong or I wasn't quite on top of everything because I was getting there and I was learning and I was doing it and that's all that matters. Yeah, um, and and that and that's right. That's so right because you can't get everything right. No one does in the world. No, I don't want no. to be political here, but look at our current prime minister, Frankie. <laughs> Arguably, he gets more wrong than he gets right. Exactly. Things are very difficult, aren't they, to do sometimes. Yeah. I love the way your deputy said, they love being in your class, they're still learning. Because exactly. we have a picture, don't we, as teachers, this is what the perfect classroom looks like. And mine isn't perfect in this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And then we miss the point. It may not be perfect, but they're still learning. Exactly. They still like coming to school. It would be very difficult for them not to learn anything. Yeah. I think you have to remember that sometimes. Yes, you can optimise their learning by optimising their cognitive load and all of those things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, even if you get it wrong, they're going to have learned something. In no, that they day. are. Yeah, as long and as you're clear as the teacher... This is what this lesson's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been clunky in a whole host of ways, but the point of the lesson has been made exactly. and, they, and they have got something out of the lesson. And then exactly. you can say, good on me. Exactly. And it's remembering that, not going home and thinking about all the things that you didn't quite do right, all that conversation with the parent didn't quite go how I wanted it to, all that child didn't quite get as much done as I wanted them mm. to. Think about that child who did really well, well wrote, a whole page when they normally only write a few sentences. Think That's about it. the child who couldn't spell anything at the beginning of the year and now is spelling a few common exception words. It's thinking about those positives that happen in the day, not just the negative things that go yeah, wrong. There's always going to be something I, that's not quite right. That's true. That's why I used to love parents' evening because I'd get the books out. I mean, I always found parents' evening quite enjoyable, actually, because I'd always just use the books with them and I'd say, look where we were. So if it was if it was the autumn term parents evening, I'd say, look where they were in September. Let me show you what they were doing. Now let's look where we are now. It's November. Let's have a look. And and you could see so much progress. Yeah. Well, I had a bit of a moment with it recently where um, we had to redo our phonics screens because of COVID. They were done in year two this year instead. And there was a few children who last year when they did them hadn't passed them. Um, and I got them to pass them. And Yay. I remember it being the most amazing feeling. Because although those children really struggled being in school, they succeeded. And that was because of what I'd been doing. And whilst there's many days where I think, oh, that child's not learned anything today. They've not been able to sit in their seat. They're really struggling to concentrate. They're clearly learning something because they did that. They made progress. Absolutely. And that, and, just, and... that was a real moment for me that made me realise I'm doing something right because otherwise this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I love it. We could stop there, but we're not going to, because I'm <laughs> sure you've got other things to tell us. But I'm uplifted. I'd love to be in your class. It's fine. <laughs> so tell us something else. What else do you want to tell us? Is consistency yes. important? Yes, massively. And that's something I knew in my training year, that you needed to be consistent in your expectations, what you wanted them to do, them to do so that they were clear on that, their expectations and what you wanted. But I don't think I realised quite how important that was until I was setting up my own classroom and setting those expectations right from the beginning. Whereas last year, I was kind of just implementing things that had already been put in by the teacher at the beginning of the year. I was setting those myself this year and I realised how important it was to be consistent with them 
because I found if I was sometimes letting a child call out or I was sometimes letting a child not put their hand up if they wanted me and just come over to me then suddenly everything goes into chaos Mm. and you're you immediately have lost the basics and if whereas if you're consistent of oh no I'm not going to talk to you unless you're sat in your seat Mm. no I'm not going to talk to you unless your hand is up then things become so much easier and once I realized that and stopped panicking or flapping in the middle of a lesson so say there was five children who needed my help at the beginning of the year I was flapping and just saying yeah that's fine go 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 but I then wasn't being consistent I was letting them come up to me sometimes but other times they had to put their hand up so they didn't know where they were they didn't know where they stood with me whereas once I started to be consistent with that that no I'm not going to talk to you until your hands are up I didn't have to flap anymore because they knew what they needed to do they knew what I expected and there didn't become this mad chaos around me all the time and it was like it was ridiculous how much difference it made when I really just cracked down on it and stayed consistent all the time listeners if you take nothing else out of this I don't know how you can't take anything else out of this but consistency she lets me get away with this bit today and now I can't I don't know where I stand exactly today he said I have to use a pencil, but yesterday I used a huge felt pen and he didn't say anything. This ambivalence, it kills children in in, in terms of their understanding of what's yeah. expected of them. And, and then they get confused and then yeah. all sorts of things happen, don't they? So that's a great one. I found now, it particularly with them um, lining up at the beginning of the year, whenever we lined up, because I felt like last year I didn't have to line them up much because of COVID, because mm. they were in the classroom most of the time. They didn't have to go to assemblies. Yeah. The only real time we lined up was at the end of the day. And even then, they weren't lined up properly. It was all still staggered. Um, and I found that I was not always being consistent. Sometimes if we were in a rush, they could still be talking and then we'd leave. But sometimes I'd make them all be silent before we could leave. And I wasn't being consistent, so I introduced the legendary line. And I had three things that a line had to be before we left. So it had to be, you had to have your hands by your side had to be facing the right way and you had to be silent and we're not going anywhere until that line is legendary by being all three of those things and suddenly now my class can line up perfectly every single time and we can get out the door quicker whereas before when I was not always doing it the same everything always took 10 times longer that's right no it does I used to have I had a similar thing mine was about coming in after play or after lunch I used to say to them there will always be something on the board for you to do so when you come in, you just start doing it. Mm-hmm. That's dead simple. And children used to come up and say, what are we doing this afternoon? And I wouldn't say anything. I'd just point my finger <laughs> at point the board. The board. <laughs> and then they'd go, oh, right, yeah. And then they'd go off and do it. And, <laughs> and that was a revelation to me. Just get get it so it's utterly consistent and yeah. life becomes so much simpler. It makes your then. life so much easier. And whilst it's harder yeah. at the beginning because everything takes so long especially with the little ones yeah it really does make your life easier and now I've started to get those things in place and not all of them are perfect yet I still there's still times in the day where if I'm say I'm really tired really struggling that day where I'll let it go and then I realize oh no I've made myself it harder for myself now because that one moment of where I wasn't quite sure what I was doing has ruined that consistency so then you need to put it back yeah and it, it hasn't ruined it again. though has it hasn't ruined it you can put it back in place because you can again. put it back i used to say to mine when i'd done exactly what you've described i used to say uh now yesterday i let that go because <laughs> i was feeling in a good mood but we all know that the classroom works best when we do this yeah. 
So I let it it's go yesterday. Fixed. That's the thing. That's it. I'm not going to let it go today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. everyone clear? Good. That's all right then. So we can carry on now. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Now you've talked a lot about um, how supportive your school has been. What What are the key things they do that make them so supportive? I think the fact that there's just always someone that I can speak to if I'm unsure. So I've got so many different people around that I can go to. So I can go to the other ECT and go to the deputy and go to the head. I can go to the Senko. I can go to my mentor. I can go to the person who taught my class last year. There's just always someone who has something to say if you're mm-hmm. not quite right. I have my year group partner when I'm really not sure what I'm doing. And um, there's always just someone I can speak to. And that is so, so, so important. And they're never dismissive. They're never, oh, sorry, I don't have time to help you right now. Even if they don't have time right that minute, they'll find time to help me with that problem later. Even when Ofsted were in, I had a moment where I felt really, really overwhelmed. Because although I wasn't really observed or anything, being in ECT, the room that they were sitting in was opposite my classroom. So I could see them all day. And I knew they could hear everything that was going on in my classroom. And I just felt really, really overwhelmed with it. And the deputy, even during an Ofsted, found the time to sit down and talk to me and tell me that I was doing fine and that it was okay and I didn't need to. Oh, I love your deputy. She's great. I've never <laughs> um, met and her, it was just but amazing. I love her. <laughs> it was just that's... amazing and it, it yeah. made me feel like everything was okay. And like last week, so we're doing a Christmas production at the moment in year two, and my year group partner was off for a few days unwell, so I was having to do it with the whole of year two, with just me and the two LSAs. <laughs> um, and my deputy, who had walked through the hall at one point during rehearsals, just sent me an email saying, you're doing really, really well keep going you're a star and it's just little things like that make you feel like you're a part even though you're only a small little part of a big team it still just makes you feel like you're involved every every part of the team every part of the team matters i used to say my school actually has a thing they say where so we don't have subject leaders we have distributive um leaderships everyone's involved in everything yeah. And um, the analogy is about a bus. And if, the if um, say, all of the senior leadership got hit down by a bus and it was only left with the ECTs and a few other people, everyone would still know what was going on. We were all still involved. We all knew what was happening. And it makes you feel like you're a big part of a team. You're not just an ECT who doesn't really matter who's over there. You're yeah, a big part. And, of and everyone team. matters, don't they? It's like a machine, isn't it? You know, yeah. you take you take one screw out of a massive machine and the thing falls apart. Exactly. Everyone matters and they matter hugely. And no exactly. one's more important than anyone else. We just have different jobs to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, love that. You've described this fantastically hectic, demanding, challenging experience. So do you think it's important you take time for yourself? Completely. Absolutely. It can be very easy to have a never-ending to-do list. There's always something that you could be doing, whether it's creating a new intervention of another child or doing a new display or anything. It could be anything. There's always more you could do. But it's just learning when to stop and just to take that time for you. So I've got into a habit of I don't take my laptop home on school night. So once I've left school, that's it. I'm done. I'm not even I'm going to try not to think about it, although it can be hard. I can be lying in bed thinking about phonic screens at night. But I try not to do any more work once I've left school in the evenings. Um, I do do a little bit of work over the weekends, but I still make sure there is time that is not work related because otherwise you can let it consume your whole life. It's one of yeah. those careers that you really can just let it become everything. And whilst it is a big part of my life, it's not my whole life. No, it's, it's not. easy to forget that sometimes. 
Yeah, I, I love that. It, and I love the, the fact, get your work done. I used to try and be like this. Get your work done, then go home, and you don't have to do anything, and it's all set for the next day. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do any thinking about the next day because it's ready to go. It's and then when I used go, to yeah. drive to drive to school in the morning, I'd think, yeah. right, first lesson, I'm doing this. What are the key things I've got to do? Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to drive to school with an experienced teacher. And when I was uh, in my first year, and I used to say to her, what do you think of this lesson? What do you think of this? Anything you think I really need? And she used to tell me and share her experience with me. And it made things so much better. Still had catastrophes. Still had terrible <laughs> things. Things always go wrong, can't Exactly. <laughs> but I was prepared. I was ready to go. Yeah. All the resources were in my classroom. I wasn't dashing around before school. It just made it a very calm yeah. start to the day. Yeah. I yeah, always set a time as well that if I've not finished, if I'm not finished by this time, I'm going home now anyway. Because I think you can very easily end up being there at six o'clock every single mm. night. And that's not healthy. No. If you're there from half seven till six o'clock at night, that's silly. Yeah. So I have like a, it depends on the day if I've got, say, staff meeting or whatever. But each day I have a certain time that I'm not staying past that time. And if it's not done. It's not done, but you've done, done the important things. I've done the things that need doing for tomorrow. That's it. And if it doesn't need doing for tomorrow, is it actually going to impact the children tomorrow? If it's a no then I'm going home. If yeah, it's going good. to impact the children, then obviously it gets done. But if it's something that doesn't really need doing right that second, doesn't it's not going to matter if it's done a day later or no. a week later, then I'm going to go home because otherwise I'm going to be here all day and then not get any time just to, to, like, to switch off. This is so useful. I, <laughs> I, I'm just loving what you're saying because anyone who's in training or early in their careers, the points you're making are absolutely critical to making the job really enjoyable, really satisfying, but really manageable without collapsing under a huge weight of stress. <laughs> so so this is so good. Talking of stress, you've had Ofsted. Yeah. How, how was that then? <laughs> so, yeah, the last week of my first half term was taken over by um, Ofsted. It was an interesting one because I guess sixes were on their residential. Oh, Math right. lead was there. English lead was there. Deputy was there. Senko was off ill. Key stage two phase leader was um, off ill. <laughs> so we were a little bit down. But it was the most stressful three days of my life because it is a lot, mm. even as just me being a little old ECT who wasn't Not really a little observed, old ECT, we've already said Who that. wasn't going to be observed necessarily. Who didn't necessarily have the subject responsibilities or um, wasn't necessarily involved in a lot of the deep dives or anything. It was stressful in that it was a stressful environment. It's just a worrying time. But you just saw how everyone came together mm. and it was lovely to see. Um, you just saw how every little part of the school was important and no one felt like they'd been left behind. Everyone was working together to get the best outcome they could possibly get. Um, and it all paid off in the end. And that's why, whilst it wasn't fun, <laughs> I'm never no. going to say Ofsted is fun. I'm glad I saw it so early in my career because mm. I really did see a group of people coming and working together. Yeah, and that's what you need. Were the inspection team reasonable? Yeah, they seemed so. I only had to speak to them once or twice when I had a meeting about the support the school gave me. Um, But they seemed it. There was two of them. And, yeah, it was – whilst it was never fun, it was over before you knew it, and it felt good. Absolutely. That we'd all pulled together to get it done. Brilliant. 
Uh, that's the thing with Ofsted. I read an article this morning about head teachers resigning and not being able to cope with the the pressures that Ofsted produces, and uh, and it's so unfortunate because I've had both. I've had shocking inspectors and I've had great inspectors, and and if as long as they come in with a professional attitude, then I have no problem with Ofsted. The issue is they've still got too many inspectors who are very unprofessional. Yeah. And, who, and who actually make value judgments rather than yeah. evidence-based judgments. And all I ever wanted as a teacher was evidence-based judgments. Exactly. And, and, and think, as long as it's taking the evidence, mm. I'm happy to debate that with you as a, as a, as a professional myself, you know. Mm. And, uh, and so I'm delighted you've had a positive experience of it. You're in a great school, aren't you? Clearly. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> yeah, but, really but, they're, but they're very lucky to have you too. Because um, I love your attitude, Hannah. Thanks. The way you've embraced being a new teacher and being realistic about where you are in your career. Because teaching's so complex, it takes time to become an expert at it. But yeah. you can still do a great job, can't you? And that's what you're proving. You're showing that as you gain experience, yeah, you probably become better and better. But you still do a great job right at the start of your career by focusing <laughs> on the things that are yeah. important. Exactly. Yeah, so well done you. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that quote again that Barbara Sher said when she said, you can learn new things at any time in your life if you're willing to be a beginner. If you actually learn to like being a beginner, the whole world opens up to you because you learn new things and you learn them happily, confidently. You take them on board and they make your satisfaction in your job and in your life much more, don't they? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, Hannah, we'll end there because I'm inspired by you. I really am. <laughs> Thank you. Um, as I said right at the beginning, I love your smile, but I can see why you smile because you understand that life has these ups and downs. Your work has these ups and downs, but don't let the downs get too big. Enjoy the ups and uh, and then you'll get the most out of what you do. So all you teachers out there, what now? What's the one small thing that you'll do that will make a difference to your teaching and a difference to the success of your pupils? Hannah has given us more than one small thing. She's given us five, six, seven small things, but all so important. And I hope you could hear the joy that Hannah has out of her work as you've listened to this, because I'm lucky enough to be able to see her and I can see the joy she's getting. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll keep you updated on what's to come and more on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to more educational chat next time. Until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT.